Okay, let's see. Notes. Oh boy. Now I'm just why is that so large? <laughs> another that's another that's what she said. <laughs> I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just <laughs> just, just wondering. We're Cara and Jill, two trainers, owners of Push Fitness, and the hosts of this podcast. During training sessions with our clients, we often tell them to get comfortable getting uncomfortable. And we're saying that right now to you too. Let's push ourselves. Let's push ourselves to see fitness differently. Let's push the envelope when it comes to self-love. Let's push a new narrative about health and weight. Let's push out harmful ideas about the body that are rooted in racism and patriarchy. Let's find a new definition of fitness that welcomes all people. You ready? I'm ready. Let's push it. episode 21 and we're excited because it's just going to be just the two of us <laughs> we can make good. it if we try <laughs> that's right yes yeah we are we're back we are not interviewing anybody but ourselves yeah we, <laughs> we have loved the interviews and actually if mm-hmm. you are somebody who would like to be on the podcast or if you know somebody who should be on this podcast just let us know. We'd love to chat with them and see um, if we can get an interview set up. But yeah, it's just the two of us today. It's been a while. So we're just, we're kind of giddy excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been sort of a, like a wild couple weeks. We've just been so busy. We didn't even have a podcast last week. We just took the week off. Yeah. Yeah. August has been really, really busy. Yeah. Yeah. So yesterday, my little sister got married. Yay, Steph. Yay, Steph. She got married to her uh, boyfriend of eight years. Mm-hmm. And she knows what she's getting into. Oh, she knows. Well, and so does he. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Stephanie. We do. We do. <laughs> we do. Yeah, it was, it was a very busy uh, couple of days and I'm totally sunburned and sore and exhausted and I'm and I'm really happy for her like really I'm very happy mm-hmm. for her I know how badly she wanted this day mm-hmm. and it turned out really well and it yeah. was good it was good so they're um on their way to their honeymoon right now mm-hmm. they're going to the Bahamas and she was actually uh she was really nervous because of COVID Hawaii oh, yeah. had shut down um visitors and yeah. she was like I wonder if the Bahamas will and she sat on hold for like three hours on the phone with the airline oh just to gosh. make sure that they could go. So she's like getting her hair done and she's on hold. <laughs> like, right. like Stephanie, you're getting married right now. Let's just worry. Like, you'll find out when you get there. Right. Like, <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do this part first. <laughs> so anyway, they're on their way. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that's exciting. Safely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in here. So today I'm really excited. So Jill and I are working on. Um, well, we've been putting together this workshop that we're doing for Justice Row Williams yes. for Fitness for All Bodies. It's going to be all about the pelvic floor and the inner core and how to utilize that during lifting. Um, but when we were putting together our slideshow, I know y'all will be really shocked at this, but there is like 
no representation of the of the queer community, especially the trans community mm-hmm. it, when it comes to photos. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're, so we're rectifying that. Yep. <laughs> so we have a trans man coming in today to lift in the gym and do a photo shoot. So Yay! this morning, my husband took the morning and like cleaned the gym and set it all up. So we have all these like, um, you know, things draped over the windows and lights set up and things like that. Yeah. But it's really exciting because I think that representation is super, super important. And it's time that we start seeing more body diversity in general. Like it's one of the issues when we talk about self-esteem and body liberation is that when we when we don't see ourselves anywhere, it can be really hard to feel like we belong. Mm-hmm. And we want people to feel like they belong in fitness because there's so much about fitness that is so important and so good. Um, and so yeah. making sure that everybody feels welcome here. Uh, representation is is something that we can do something about. So, so excited. It's going to yeah. be so fun. Yeah, I'm yeah. really excited. Yeah, so we'll we'll get those and you'll see them soon. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, you'll be seeing those coming out some those photos coming out very soon. Yes. So, today's topic we are very excited about uh-huh. and very passionate about and yeah. it's probably going to push some buttons. Yeah. <laughs> Blink. I don't know if you know this about <laughs> us, but <laughs> we, we, we do that sometimes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, what do you do for a living? A uh, professional button pusher. Yes, somebody's got to do it. That's why I have like three friends. <laughs> I made the cut. <laughs> you have more than that. Right. <laughs> a couple more. A couple more. Yeah, right. Maybe five. Right. about weight gain and pregnancy. So yeah, so we if you do if you've been listening to this and you're like they're all about social justice, uh one of the things where that we actually started off as and is still a very big part of our company is that we specialize in pre and postnatal fitness. Yes, we do. So we see a lot of pregnant people and postpartum people here in the gym. Yes. And um and so we have seen firsthand how much people worry about weight gain during and after pregnancy. Yes. And so mm-hmm. we want to talk about it a little bit. And we're going to also talk about it through the lens of gestational diabetes, because that's one of the tools that is often used to scare the crap out of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you might not even need any help with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. But yeah, yeah. So uh, tell us about your first pregnancy. I know that was kind of a a hard time in terms of like weight. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So my first pregnancy was a bit of a surprise. Um, So I was in the midst of, you know, deeply embedded in diet culture and constantly working on like tweaking my body, aka trying to make it smaller. Uh And then I got pregnant. And I felt very, very out of control. I felt like I, my body was gaining weight and I couldn't do anything about it. I felt mm-hmm. like I um, was going to try, like I had this 
this idea that I was going to try to lose weight during pregnancy. Like if I stay the same weight through the pregnancy, then after I have the baby, I'll weigh even less than I do now. I mean, these are these, these are thoughts going through my head. First of all, as if I had control. Right. And second, like I, I was so obsessed with thinking that like, it was really hard for me to even think about enjoying this process of growing a whole new human. I was just trying to punish my body. And so I worked out really hard. I, um, I figured because I knew what I was doing with training that I knew how to train through my pregnancy. And that is why I now have specializations in how to train through pregnancy because I didn't know shit. I did right. not know what right. I was doing. Right. So like when, when we're calling people out saying just because you were pregnant and a trainer doesn't make you a person who specializes in training pregnant people, like cars live that life. Like this is speaking from experience, not just, not just being right. <laughs> hoity yeah. toity. Right. <laughs> did so, I say hoity toity? You did. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring it back. Let's bring okay, it back. Sorry. It's going to be a thing now. Ooh, hoity, yeah. hoity toity. So, so yeah, so, and not surprising, I exercised my way into a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction. Mm -hmm. I developed two hernias um, and hernias are related to the pelvic floor just because of like pressurized systems in your inner core. So my hernias were more like belly button area, but what that did was create a leak of in pressure in my inner core. And so then it became harder for me to generate strength through my abdomen. Mm -hmm. And so that creates a lot of dysfunction through the whole rest of the body because you're trying to stabilize yourself through your core. You can't. And so then you start using all these other muscles. And so, um, so I, I had incontinence, I had pelvic pain, um, I, I had ended up with some varicose veins and not all of these things. I'm like, I'm not blaming just my, you know, the exercise. Like I know that that certainly contributed, but sometimes like where we are in life is just where we are. Like, I'm not sure if anyone could have convinced me in that moment to relax and try something different. And it just was what I had available to me at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you had done that through one of your pregnancies, I'm not saying, Oh, that was stupid. (laughs) That's not (laughs) what I'm saying. I'm saying like, we try to put information out there so that less and less people go through pregnancies and think, I wish I had known. Right. Cause I think like, I do feel that way. But then at the same time, I think back to where I was at mentally and I'm still not sure I would have listened. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good point. Like people are where they are. And that's one of the things that we really try to do with our clients is try to meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I mean, if you've been listening to this for a while or following us, you know that we're not like weight loss trainers. Like we right. don't, we don't really do that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, we have, we have clients who are actively trying to lose weight mm-hmm. and we're not, we're not just be like, Hey, dumbass. Right. And that's the thing. <laughs> I think that a lot of people with all kinds of activism don't get like, we are not like, we're not anti-dieter. We're like anti-diet society or anti-diet industry. We're not like anti-man. We're anti patriarchy. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, like it's, 
it is more it is more of the system like what I hope that we can contribute to is get that information out so that people who are ready for it can start to digest it so that like we can start like putting little drops in the bucket to change society right exactly planting those little seeds mm-hmm. and you never know like when somebody's going to come back to that at some point mm-hmm. like there might be people who written wrote us off a long time ago and then mm-hmm. are like now you know starting mm-hmm. to discover that part for themselves and yeah you know, sometimes that's just the journey it takes to get there yeah right so tell us a little bit about your pregnancy story yes so I have a, I have a couple uh, that I want to share. <laughs> well, I have, I have, I have three babies. <laughs> but uh, during my first pregnancy, um, I was working at a, a big box gym, which is where Cara and I met. You probably heard that story already. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of assumptions about how I was going to have this baby and mm-hmm. how, like, how I looked being pregnant. And you know, there's just all these assumptions about how I'm going to do it, what I look like, and how fast I'm going to bounce back. Yep. Right. So there's that. But the thing that um, we were talking about this topic, the thing that really uh, stood out to me was during my last pregnancy with my daughter, she's um, almost two now. And I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes um, Mm -hmm. when I was pregnant Mm -hmm. with her. And the immediate feeling that I had was a lot of shame. Yes. I felt a lot of shame. I was like, oh, I did this to myself because I'm not eating enough of this or I'm eating too much of that or I'm not exercising enough or blah, 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 blah. But also mm-hmm. on top of that was here I am in the fitness industry. I'm supposed to be a trainer, a healthy trainer, and I have gestational diabetes. Like what is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And I was super embarrassed to talk about it. Um, of course now I know better, right. We're going to dive into that more, but that Mm -hmm. was, um, yeah, that was, that was hard. Did I ever tell you that somebody actually asked me, like made a comment that they were surprised that I didn't get gestational diabetes? No. Yeah. And so like, and, and, and it was completely like judgment of my body. Like I'm one of those people, like I gain 80 pounds each pregnancy, like both my pregnancies pretty consistent. My body's like, Oh, we're pregnant. We are going to pack it on because we're going to do this. Yep. <laughs> and that's just like, that's just how it went. It didn't matter. Like whether I was really restricting my food or whether I was like, like being very careful, whether I was like wanting to throw up most of the day or like my body was just like, we, this is what we do now. Yep. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Cause it's going to do what it's going to do. And so um, yeah. So somebody mentioned that and I felt the same thing. Like my first response was like shame. Like this person thinks that my body should be different during this pregnancy. Yep. And, um, whoever that is, I'm sure you're not listening to this, but <laughs> that was terrible. Get your life together. Get your life together. Stop, stop commenting on people's bodies. Right. Don't do it. <laughs> so they'll, they'll hear it. Right. <laughs> get that message out there. Tell, tell all of your, your moms, grandmas, and aunties, please. Because like, I feel like, I feel like a lot of the conversations end up happening, like even within your own family and amongst your own friends. Like, so those are where, like, I mean, you get comments by just like going through the checkout line of a grocery store, but you also get a lot of comments from the people who know you and love you. And that those are the ones that I think kind of like really hit you the most. Those, yeah, those can, right can really hurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So, and that's like, I think that's part of what leads people into um, like what you were saying, Cara, earlier was like, I don't gain too much weight. If I stay this weight, then I'm going to be good. And, and you hear that too, um, just in conversations with folks where they're like, oh, well, I only gained this amount of weight at this trimester. Like a trophy. Or like something. a trophy. Yeah. Exactly. And there's all this pressure to like keep it off during pregnancy or even lose weight during pregnancy, like you were doing, mm-hmm. trying to do Cara. And then, um, you know, the pressure of, okay, now that baby's out time to get back to uh-huh. back to the way we were yeah and with our clients we've seen it manifest all different ways where people just kind of quote unquote let themselves go during yeah. pregnancy <laughs> i.e eat what their body tells them to eat um and then they have an enormous pressure to bounce back afterwards or we have people who really try to lock it down during pregnancy mm-hmm. to control something that isn't a ton in their control so that they you know can stay within what they feel or their mom feels or their mother-in-law feels is acceptable. Mother-in-law. I know I'm really going hard for the women here, but in, in general, what I have heard from my clients, our clients, and from my own experience is this can be sort of a pressure passed down through, um, through women. Mm -hmm. And, and in general, like we are saying pregnant people, um, this particular pressure in our society is more laser focused on people identifying as women. Right. Yeah, Um, that's true. And I, we could probably have a whole nother podcast on trans pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, but but that's not what we're talking about today. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to put that one in the hopper though. That'll be a good topic for later. Yes. But yeah, it's, um, there's an insane amount of pressure (laughs) for, um, what you should look like during pregnancy air quotes should, and Mm -hmm. what you should look like afterwards. Um, Mm -hmm. there's, and where does that pressure come from? Usually like, Mm -hmm. um, our family members, of course, like Mm -hmm. I was just thinking like this just randomly popped up in my head. Um, when we're talking about gestational diabetes and what to eat and not eat and all that stuff, I remember seeing a post from someone who was like, you know, why wouldn't I eat fruits and vegetables during my pregnancy? Because that's the best way to take care of my baby. And I'm like, well, best way to take care of my baby was being burritos from Taco Bell. So I was like, <laughs> right. like, like getting the food in. So we, we can talk about some of the like myths, especially related around gestational diabetes in a little bit, but yeah, like, but that's part of it, right? I mean, that's, that's part of where the pressure comes from is from posts like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So social media. So there's, we talk about these like layers of oppression, right? There's like, there's, it ha- can happen interpersonally. It can happen within yourself. So like for me, I was, you know, actively oppressing myself during my pregnancy because I had these, these, um, a lot of, uh, fat phobic beliefs within myself. It Mm -hmm. happened interpersonally, um, you know, like for other people who also are struggling with fat phobia, um, it can happen, you know, coming from your doctor. So you think of like more of like institutionally where like, you're getting pressure from the medical field and your doctor, your nurses or things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so, 
um, it just, it, it kind of runs through and, and we're not seeing, there's not a lot of information out there and there's not a lot of money to be made for people just sort of going through this process as they can, you know, being like, Hey, like fed is better. Fed is best. Right. Like you, right. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Like if you are nauseous through most of your first trimester and you can hardly keep anything down and, but bean burritos from Taco Bell sound good to you, then that's what you should be eating. Like something to keep your body fed. But what was happening for me during my first pregnancy, especially was that I wouldn't eat those things. Mm-hmm. I would feel deprived. I would try to eat healthy either not be able to keep it down or just not end up eating at all anyway. And then I would get to a point where like your body is super smart and it kicks in all these extra hormones that is like, we are starving, bitch, like eat (laughs) some food. And then I would just want to eat anything that wasn't nailed down. Right. And then I would try to compensate for that by exercising more during a time when my body was asking for rest. Mm -hmm. And then I was just miserable all the time until I just would give out. Like I would like have to sleep in my car. Mm -hmm. I would have to like, (laughs) I would literally like go up the parking lot between clients and sleep in my car. Yep. Like, (laughs) yep. Your body was just, it it was, it was (laughs) in great need of things that you were not giving it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think that um, there's a lot of focus in general, not just with pregnancy, but there's a lot of focus in general on the body itself, right? Like what it looks like and what you need to do to make it look a certain way or not mm-hmm. do to make it look a certain way. And I think that there's a really huge missing component mm-hmm. in that, um, that the, when it talk, when we're talking about health, your body is not the only uh, player in the game, right? Right. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, we are missing mental health. So if you're like really hyper focused on like eating all the right things and doing the right exercises and things like that, but you are neglecting stress and like weight stigma and things like that, then your health could still potentially suffer Mm -hmm. because you've got that big missing piece. We've got to, we've got to treat the mind and the body. If we're, if we're looking at health, Mm -hmm. you can't separate those things. Um, and, and stress will live in our bodies and manifest itself as like illnesses or injuries or pain or things like that. And so, um, people think that they can separate it, right? Like mind over matter. Oh yeah. uh, How about mind with matter? Right. Just there you go. I love it. Yeah. We're going to stitch that on a pillow. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back to our discussion. Do you love the push podcast? Support us by becoming a push patron. As a push patron, you will have exclusive access to our episodes bonus materials, freebies, the ability to ask us questions, and more. Go to www.patreon.com slash pushfitness. That's www.patreon.com slash pushfitness now to get started. And now back to the Push Podcast. How about mind with matter, right? (laughs) So yeah, so kind of like really seeing 
yourself or if you're a trainer and you work with pregnant people, like seeing your clients more holistically. So we've had clients come in who were diagnosed with gestational diabetes or were sort of being told that they were like not quite passing the test or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were so stressed out and they were doing all the right things and eating perfectly and like timing their carb intake and all of this stuff and all of that stress that caught that that caused them it didn't really make a difference with what the outcome was with their gestational diabetes but it did cause them a lot of stress during their pregnancy during a time that they could have kind of just like yeah remember we had a client once who um she was freaking out like you might be thinking of her but she Mm -hmm. she was freaking out about it and stuff and then she started eating ice cream every night Mm-hmm. And her numbers like totally stabilized. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, stress, mind and matter, yeah. mind with matter, stress. So yeah, we are going to talk about that. So yeah. So let's talk about that. Like, so when, when we think about weight loss, what, and we think about all of these quote unquote diseases that are correlated mm-hmm. with being fat or overweight, um, that, that comes with a lot of weight stigma, um, and stress. And what we found in the research is that there's always that correlation, right? Like you can always correlate like heart disease with being overweight, but it's not ever there. Researchers are, have never been able to show it being a cause, Mm -hmm. but they're like, Oh, well they happen side by side so often. So it must be, but it's like, oh, you know, like male pattern baldness happens side by side with heart disease too. But like, that's not a whole thing. Like we're not right. going out there, like, like telling men to put Rogaine on their heads to like heal their hearts. Yet we are, <laughs> right. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. Like, <laughs> but seriously, but that is what we are doing yeah. to fat people. Yep. We are saying like, Hey. Like there's this correlation here and we don't like the looks of you. So like we're, and that creates a lot of stress. But but what we've seen in the research is that that stress that's created is, is seen as a cause has been proven to be a cause of stress related diseases like heart disease. And so, um, that's something that I think we really need to keep in mind because when we have shame, our self-esteem suffers mm-hmm. and it separates us from our intuition. And intuition is something that I think is really important. And it can be even doubly important when you're pregnant because it's, it's a kind of a time when you can sort of look in like, what does my body need? What does this baby need? Like your, your body is changing so fast, so much. Yeah that it can be a time that you really kind of need to look within yourself. And yet we, we feel all the shame and then we are pulled away from that intuition. Yeah. I mean, I think that some people may not even know what their inner voice sounds like because it's been suppressed for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just like, it's cracking open a whole new, um, world almost for people to like shed all of the um expectations and stress and 
move forward with what they intuitively know that they need. Like we Mm -hmm. do this in other aspects of our lives. Like when we're trying to make decisions, like what does your gut Mm -hmm. say, you know? And we, but we don't do that with our bodies. Yeah. So I think, I think we should. Right. (laughs) I think we should do that. And, and here's where I think we might piss some people off. Like, um, spoiler alert, like diets don't work either. That's so weird. So, (laughs) so if, so say you're like, okay, I had the baby. Now I'm ready to bounce back. I'm going to go on this diet and I'm going to lose the weight. Weight loss efforts have like a 95 to 97% failure rate. Yep. And there is like, think of that, like if that, if it were a medication, so like think if like your doctor is saying like, don't gain too much weight during pregnancy, and then you're going to want to lose it right after if your doctor is saying that, like, imagine if they were like telling you that they were going to give you some like life-saving pill that had a 95 to 97% failure rate. Like, would you take it? FDA approved, baby. Right. <laughs> but, but, but no. But so, but we keep thinking like, oh, it's just my fault because it was my willpower that failed. And like, and that is, is not true. I mean, and not only do like diets not work, but two thirds of people who try to lose weight, not only gain the weight back, but gain more weight than they lost. So we, we keep Mm -hmm. like our set, our body set point keeps like going up and up and up. And so like, it's, it's a like set you up for failure kind of thing. Yeah. And like designed that way. And why do we even believe this? Oh, why do we believe this? That's a great question. (laughs) Has anybody ever heard of the illusionary truth effect? The illusory. Oh, illusionary. I like it. (laughs) It (laughs) (laughs) I really like it. I think we should change it. (laughs) It's an illusion. truth effect illusory truth effect yeah so this is something that was discovered by scientists that they that we tend to think something is true if we just hear it often enough so social media yeah so if you're seeing like over and over and over and over again that like we should lose people should lose weight to be healthy then we just think that's a fact yeah and we don't even think to question it i mean we didn't for how long, how long were we trainers where we just assumed that skinnier was healthier. Yeah. And that was our whole goal is to help, to help our clients be thinner so that, that they could be healthier. Like that's what we really thought. Mm -hmm. But you know, looking back, like a lot of my clients who crash dieted and lost a bunch of weight and then bounced back and then none of them were any healthier for Mm -hmm. that, that effort. Um, so, um, so yeah. And so researchers say that like familiarity with a topic is easier for people to digest than rationality is. It can be hard for us to like, it's harder for us to think rationally than it is for us to feel comfortable with something that we've heard over and over again. For sure. Yeah. And so like, which that was a hard one for me because I'm like, we should all be rational beings. We're humans. Like we've evolved. We've evolved. Like, come on. We, got, we use tools. We got, we've got like opposable thumbs. Like we, like, 
comfortable with familiarity. It's an illusion. <laughs> We're coming off the rails. <laughs> so, but yeah, like if you, if it, like th- that is really hard. That is a really hard um, uh, truth bomb mm-hmm. <laughs> because you. It, it calls into question a lot of things that we just assumed to be true, right? And that is super uncomfortable to grapple with. Like, is what I always thought was, was, is that true? Mm-hmm. Like, is that, and if it's not, like, where are we getting our information? And are we, are we looking into this research and are we finding out? Like, it, that's hard. That's mm-hmm. hard stuff. Like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, let me say that like one of the hardest parts of the whole intuitive eating and health at every size journey that I've been on is that it is not yet in sync with the medical community. That is something that I really struggle with Um, because you want to think that when you go to your doctor, you're going to get the care that you, that you deserve. You want to think that they're going to look at you and use their knowledge, um, and apply it and help you get better. But the medical community is extremely fat phobic. Mm -hmm. A lot of their information still comes, um, sort of can come from this idea of thinner is better because a lot of the research is funded. These correlations that have been made are funded by companies that have a large monetary stake in eradicating fat people from this earth. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's really hard. Like you can find doctors who are, not fat phobic, but it is not the norm No, many times. And as I have become a larger person, I have seen this in action, but many times you'll go into your doctor's office and they'll either see your weight or they'll see your body and they will make an assumption about your health based on that before you even have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And that's really unfortunate. And it's one of the things that I've had to really grapple with because I want to trust the medical community. I really do. Um, And you'd think like these would be people that are like seriously bought in to, to the science. Right. Yeah. And I want to go back to like what we were saying in the beginning too. Like we don't hate doctors. No, we like, we're not anti-doctor. We're anti-systemic racism, patriarchy, et cetera, et cetera. Fat phobia. Fat phobia mm-hmm. in the medical community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, and it goes back to like what we were always taught. Um, like some, some medical providers, like this is what they were always taught. And so like, that's just, that's how they practice medicine, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, so we're hoping that there will be, sort of a reckoning of we know better now we do better um but you know as most things that's happening slower for me than I'd like right I am not known for my patients um (laughs) no she's not (laughs) and and the thing is is that this comes at a really high cost for a lot of pregnant people um Mm -hmm. some of the stats that I was able to find was that 22% of pregnant people who had past eating disorders relapse during their pregnancy. So that was me. 
I had yeah. I had an eating disorder before pregnancy. My pregnancy and the body change that I was going through scared the shit out of me. And so I I started, you know, disordered eating all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who have had bulimia are more likely to also have gestational diabetes and postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. So weight stigma during pregnancy is incredibly, incredibly dangerous, especially for people who have had eating disorders in the past. Yeah. And really, like, in my mind, like any kind of dieting behavior is just socially acceptable, accepted eating disorder behavior. Oh, yeah. And so you think about all of the people who are who are potentially suffering from this. That's a ton. Mm hmm. And so if you've had eating disorders in the past, like say if you've dieted in the past, you're more likely to have eating disorder behavior during your pregnancy and have gestational diabetes and have postpartum depression. Right. Notice that that um, that correlation, bulimia and gestational diabetes, not eating Dairy Queen all day, every day, gestational diabetes. Like right. I just say it like, right. <laughs> so it's, it's real, like it's mind and matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and really like a lot of our beliefs around diabetes, whether it be gestational type one and type two, aren't re- exactly what we think they are. So, um, one of the resources that we really love that we use a lot with our clients is the health at every size health sheets. Um, and they have, they don't have one on gestational diabetes yet. However, I have been in contact with the person who creates these and she says that they are in the works with one. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But the one on gestational diabetes, I think is really, really good. Not just the one on type two diabetes is really good because most of what we think about type two diabetes is that people eat themselves into this disease. Yeah. I have always thought that. Yeah. And my, my mom is type one diabetic since she was five and she constantly makes sure that people know that it's type one because she doesn't want to be judged for type two. Like it's so apparent when she'll say I have diabetes, it's type one. She always says that to people because it's like, Hey, listen, I didn't, I, it's not because I'm unhealthy. It's not because I was an asshole about food. It's because I was born this way. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? Jill has something to read you. Yes, from the from the Hayes Health Sheets. A number of factors can contribute to an increased risk of type 2 diabetes, including weight cycling and internalized weight stigma. But type 2 diabetes is predominantly a genetic condition. While much fat phobic information floats around, you cannot you cannot eat your way into type two diabetes, and it affects people of all sizes. Uh Getting type two diabetes isn't your fault. It does not indicate that you have done anything wrong. It is simply a fairly common health condition. Yes. And all of us can have health conditions. You know, our, Mm -hmm. our health is not guaranteed and it is not permanent. So if you are healthy and fit right now, that is not a permanent state. Like eventually all of us are going to grow old and die. <laughs> so, like, and have a great rest like, of your day. And then wrap it up there. That's the conclusion. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yes. <laughs> we bring you the feel good. <laughs> but our body 
bodies change constantly. Yes. And, so, and so one of those big changes in, in a lot of uh, people's lives can be pregnancy. Right. And so this is a huge change. There's a lot of things going on. And so if you do develop gestational diabetes, chances are that is more of a genetic condition than it is a, um, a, a, that you ate like a, like a jerk during your pregnancy. Right. And I wish that that information was more like easily presented to people because it's always, it's always, um, treated with, um, first with diet and exercise. That's Uh how they want. That's, that's, that's the treatment plan. But I'm not certain that that's been shown to work. No, it hasn't. And here's the other thing too, that got me thinking about it. Like one of the common tests that they have during pregnancy, besides the, um, gestational diabetes one, and that information is important to have. Like they, they, they gather that information for a reason. It's, it's the way that it's presented though, that just pisses me off. But anyway, another one that they do is the, um, the strep B test. Mm-hmm. So they do the strep B test and I've heard it time and time again from providers. It's just random. It's not your fault. It's just, it's just, you either have it or you don't. That's but they not- don't say that about gestational no, diabetes. No, they don't. And with strep B, you have to, uh, for safety reasons, you're required to have um, uh, antibiotics administered during your labor. Uh-huh. Um, and that's why they gather that information because that could potentially affect the baby. Uh-huh. So, but uh, they don't say that about gestational diabetes. Right. No, that's your fault. Right. <laughs> well, and they're, and they're really like, they really lock you down on carbs and like carb timing and things like that during mm-hmm. gestational diabetes. And one of the things is that like, they're like, you know, a lot of times they, your providers won't want you to eat carbs in the morning. Well, like during the, during your first trimester, sometimes like saltines are the only thing you can keep down or like, you know, you need more carbs because your fatigue is so high or, you know, and so like usually like a carb rich breakfast in the morning can be like a way to set you up for success because of fatigue and nausea. And so, uh, what, what we would recommend is more of an intuitive eating approach where Mm -hmm. you're listening to your body what does your body need? What are your cravings? Like actually listen to your cravings and what your body wants. And then think about how to add foods in. They use this in the health at every size health sheet that um, they have a whole section on what things to add in. And sometimes it will be like some exercise for stress relief purposes, because we know that stress can cause poor health outcomes, including gestational diabetes. If we believe that there's a link between that bulimia and gestational diabetes and postpartum depression, right? Right. So Um, so stress relief, we can add in certain foods. Like if we need more iron from like, from spinach, if we can find a way to eat that or something like it, or, um, so, so those are the kind of things that you can think of and thinking of adding things in instead of limiting or taking things out changes the entire experience for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. because then it does not become about deprivation. It doesn't become anything about willpower it becomes something about it's, it's, it's comes from a place of abundance. Mm -hmm. And that is where I think a lot of really good change can happen. Yes. Yeah. So we, we know that a lot of pregnant people struggle with this 
And that's one of the reasons why we're so excited to get this information out. Um, mm -hmm. It may be just a small drop in the bucket, but hopefully it's one that makes a difference in your life as the listener. But also, um, you know, all of that, uh, going back to the illusory truth effect, um, what we see and hear most often is what we believe to be true, right? Mm -hmm. So let's, let's control some of what we see and hear. Mm -hmm. Let's clean up our news feeds and social media because social media has a huge impact mm -hmm. on how people think, think that their pregnancy quote unquote should be or what they should look like. So let's get rid of people that make you feel like crap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can follow, um, health at every size hashtag. Mm -hmm. You can start kind of seeking out, like we sought out like, um, doulas from all different walks of life. So like there's national black doulas, mm -hmm. there's like queer and pregnant or trans and pregnant, mm -hmm. or like there's all kinds of different, uh, hashtags you can even start with in order to clear up your feed and not just clear people out, like we said, but add people add in, people in. Yes. Um, so that you're seeing more diversity because the, the truth is, is that all of our pregnancies, even each pregnancy can be very different, mm -hmm. but your pregnancy is going to differ greatly from someone else's as well. And they're all our unique experiences. And so if somebody that you knew ate like this and bounced back, that doesn't mean that you will. Um, if you did, that doesn't mean that other people should do the same thing as you because you, you know, were able to bounce back or you didn't have any problems during pregnancy. And so um, I think that embracing more diversity and um, is incredibly important, especially during pregnancy and postpartum. Yep. I agree. Yeah. All right. That's all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the Push podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button, share, review. The more subscriptions that we get, the more visibility that we get, and the more easily we can find listeners just like you. Also, go check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash pushfitness. Check out our different membership options and show us some love over on our Patreon. Yeah. That's it. Bye. 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 Bye.